what's going on everybody hope you are having a wonderful week so far podcast time uh the phantoms so i back in 2018 i was asked to remix designs for you um which was a record from the phantoms i hadn't actually heard the phantoms before um and when i heard the original of designs for you i was like this is a really good record and i did the remix and that's kind of how this relationship started we then hung out and ate some food and now they are about to release their second album and i wanted to get them on the podcast and have a good chat with them so without further ado the one and only phantoms got it Vinny, kyle what's cooking lads what's hey. up you know holding it down in los angeles right now it's uh mm-hmm. looking like it's gonna be a hot day i'm excited yep. it's like what's the time here it's 8 p.m in the uk right now and it's where like, are you in the uk, UK are you i'm in somerset which is just outside bristol nice. very nice yeah, yeah. we gotta kind get of wish- out there I was just going to say, I kind of wish we were out there right now. We've been mm-hmm. stateside for the past three years now, mm. and it's just uh want to go back to Europe, want to go back uh, to, to a lot of mm. places. Asia, too. Yeah. It's just back there. Yeah, what's going on with Asia right now? I, think, I haven't kept up. Do you know, Kyle? I think Japan is tr- is doing, like, a trial for yeah. people to come in. You have to be... You have to be like four times boosted or something like that. They're doing like a small number to kind of test how it goes. But I, as far as like Hong Kong and stuff, I have no idea what yeah. their opening is. But God, I miss it so much. I got, I had friends. I had a friend that she lived in Shanghai pretty much mm-hmm. the last like five, six years. And she came to this. She's not from there, but she's, I'm pretty sure she's a resident. And she came to the States and then went to go back. And they were like, no, you're not coming in. Damn. Really? Yeah. So like now she's wow. had to move to the States like full time. Uh, so weird. It's like, hey, your That's life wild. is completely different now. Ha ha. Mm. Now you live in the States. Like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Wild. I know. So right. insane. It's rough. It's fucking weird. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Obviously, the the pandemic is one of the reasons. But why have you guys not been to Europe for so long? Is there a reason or is there, is it just how the cookie crumbles? I'd say it's definitely like... Uh, just our our main touring market just happens yeah. to be in the states. Yeah. You know, I would I would, would love to play Europe more often. You yeah. know, it's just about getting out there, though. I guess I, do- I think too for our like style of electronic music, it doesn't quite fit into just like a box where mm-hmm. it's easy to sort of like break new ground at a certain club, maybe yeah. uh, to be like, oh, they're, they're a house artist or they're this or this. Yeah, we kind of like play house, but it's a little more indie electronic. So. Uh, yeah, we've weirdly, we've never played, uh, anywhere in the UK, I don't think. Yeah. Really? uh, Yeah. We've, we've done, we did some weird event in Barcelona, but it was like all Americans there. (laughs) It's weird that, isn't it? Yeah. It was like like this college festival and it was like literally all of, um, just like, uh, the university of, uh, Mm. Phoenix was there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's the Arizona university? It was all kids from Phoenix. (laughs) It was pretty much just like playing for an American crowd with the surroundings of Barcelona. So that was weird. But no, definitely really want to get out there. Like we wrote uh, a lot of this, our new album in London and just mm. like oh, London really? out there. Yeah. yeah. So a tiny yeah. little room. Where, mm-hmm. What studio is? I actually, called? what was the name? It was kind Tile, of near. Tile Yard. Tile Yard. Yeah. 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 
we had the, I think the smallest room in all of Tile Yard. It was about like a <laughs> closet and we would have people come in, like Jem Cook came in and she was so cool about it, but we we're just like all jammed in this room, no windows or anything like that. I it was a bit like a jail cell. I literally did a session in that same room the other day. <laughs> yeah. You know, we did it, two yeah. weeks in it. It was, oh, uh, started to lose dude. our mind a little bit. <laughs> two weeks in that room. I refused. I was like, I'm yeah. never doing another session in there. It's like, yeah, we, we definitely spent a lot of time um, playing ping pong outside in that yeah. little, uh, that in little the common area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, nice. it's a cool, it's a really cool setup there that they have mm-hmm. though. With like, I love the concept of having a bunch of studios together because usually, like a studio yeah. complex, there's like five or six studios and people just go in and out and in and out. Whereas there, it's mm-hmm. like a community of studios where you have. The Taryard Studios, you also have the TYX Studios, which is also Taryard, but I think it's like the bougie, yeah. bougie end of it. And then they have all have like restaurants and cafes all kind of based around the studio. I think it's really important because mm-hmm. it like brings more people together rather than you're just going totally. in and out. That was yeah. what we loved about it. I mean, we already drink a lot as it is, but we would go to that little cafe and just kind of start doing shots of, I think, whiskey there. And it seemed like they weren't used to people coming in to just sort of like rip <laughs> shots after a session. So uh, it was fun, though. Like with everybody yeah. that we wrote with there, we'd all kind of get a drink after, play some ping pong. And then it was kind of nice. There was some event they were throwing on like our last night there after our two week stint. So we all had a bunch of drinks and it sort of felt like our mm. going away party, even though it had yeah. nothing to do with us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was still a lot of fun. I, I did like the vibe at that place. It was a very cool, like you yeah. said, just community there, which is I awesome. think just the writing community in general in yeah. the in London and the UK is just more our speed than maybe what it is out here. It's just different in LA. Uh, it's just the song. A lot writing. of pop yeah. people that are just like, top line driven or mm. they they look at other songs and they're like we should do something like that like this song's mm. blowing up on like dance yeah. radio yeah, yeah and then you're not really doing anything that unique or interesting it's yeah. all just okay cool mm-hmm. the, the, the night sky let's open up the ceiling and fly like that's <laughs> garbage i think lyrics like that it's really interesting you say that because i was in a session with uh, um maliko and leo standard they go under the name is arco yeah. um mm-hmm. And they, they're English and they, mm. they said the opposite thing about LA. So they went and did like five weeks in LA and they were like, this is the best, really? the best so thing ever. Maybe it's oh, a like grass is greener situation. Yeah, I think like, it is. I think it's just what you're used to, right? It's like when you're at mm-hmm. school, all the girls at your school were like not as hot as the girls at the other school. <laughs> the other schools. Yeah. yeah. Well, you also see everything with like rosy colored glasses too, when you're traveling yeah. and you're like, ah, oh, cause you get there. You're like, oh, London's so much better than LA. Cause we're from LA and yeah. there's probably like people from there come here. They're like, oh, LA is so much better, which I don't know if you would say that right now with how LA yeah. is, but. No, yeah. London is definitely better than LA. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <I agree> 100%. <laughs> but yeah, I think like the whole, Right, I've never really done writing in LA. I'm about to go. In fact, when this podcast comes out, I would have been. Um, but yeah, I'm about to come mm-hmm. out and and do some writing out there, and I'm really interested to see what it's like because I've never done it. Um, I guess it all depends yeah. on who you get set up with. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's really what it comes down to. Are you? Do you have any LA locals you're going to be writing with, or is it kind of people from from all over? I'm going to be right in well i'm in the still in the process of working out who but but mm. do you know burns uh yes yeah so i'm gonna do yeah, some, yeah. yeah i'm gonna do some stuff with him which That'll is weird because he's english so it's kind right. of like come all the way yeah here. um yeah De- i think i'm gonna get in with dennis white who 
he's more of like a vibe dude. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know Dennis. Nice. I'm not um, sure if I do. Like he's actually. like an old Detroit guy. Like, but oh, he, hell yeah. he does like a lot of the inner city stuff and things like that. Um, and then I, I want to get in with some pop people, not necessarily to write pop records, mm-hmm. but I just, I just love see what comes of it. Yeah. It's I love the concept. Yeah. I like, I like being able to mix it up. Um, yeah, we've, we've written with some like super talented pop writers mm-hmm. where even if like what we make doesn't really ever come out or see the light of day, it's, it's just a crazy experience to see how fast some of these guys and girls can come up with top lines that yeah. are like way out of something that I would have ever like Scary. Yeah. or come up with first, you know, they're super talent. Like it's something, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, and I don't really know your background of, of what music or how music started mm-hmm. for you. But like, for me, it was just more production and writing underground house music. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole concept of writing has only come to me in the last couple of years and only in the last like six to eight months of, that's really interested me on actually wanting to write actual songs. Yeah. Interesting. It's cool. I mean, it's, it's, that's probably more of our background, I guess, Mm -hmm. not in the traditional, like sort of pop writing session way. We just always, I guess when we started, we were like focused more on writing songs and song structures and, and electronic music in that realm. Mm. So now it's actually, we're sort of doing the opposite. We're like, let's just try to make more club focused music. Oh, really? Yeah. This album, you know, like this album's pretty strong songs. Yeah. That was sort of the goal to begin with, because we also, you know, kind of like band backgrounds. We always wanted to sort of make songs. And when we first got signed to Universal and like Casablanca Mm. Records, they were really like sort of pop focused. And we thought, okay, cool. We're going to do like a pop electronic type thing. And like, uh, just the longer we were in it and the more we kind of fell in love with like dance music, we just, it didn't feel right. And it felt mm. kind of lame and a little mm-hmm. cheesy. So, you know, na- the indie electronic always felt sort of like natural to us, but uh, we've now from just DJing over the past three years and, and touring a bunch, we really want to start making yeah, some a lot more like club records. I think that that's sort of the next path for us after this album comes out. So you're talking about the album. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not too sure when this podcast is coming out. When's the album coming yeah. out? August twelfth. So I think this podcast is coming out around the same time. I okay, think I think we're setting it up so it comes well out. Well timed. Yeah, well yeah. timed. Um were did you want to write an album or were you just contractually obliged? We uh we, I don't know if yeah, you can take it, Kyle. Yeah, we so I mean, we won't, we'll try to avoid all pandemic talk because it's fucking yeah. boring to yeah, hear yeah. about the <laughs> pandemic. Uh, but during that time, we were sort of kind of going through this weird thing. We were writing some days would be amazing. Yeah. Then you'd go through like two weeks. We were like, I don't want to do shit. And we kind of got this weird body of work together. Um, we weren't totally happy in our uh, old label situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like we wanted different things. We wanted to kind of explore more and do more of what we wanted to do. And two of our really good friends are Odessa, Harrison and Clay. They would always give us advice of just be like, guys, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, yeah. don't listen to the label, all that, which is all that sounds great. But when you're also like the label's paying for stuff, we need to do this. You're sort of at this like loss of, of it's what also, are we going to do? It's also easy for Odessa to say that. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you take it. I mean, it's beautiful advice, but uh, it's yeah, it's not maybe the most uh, attainable thing for when you're not completely at that level. But with that being said, we realized it wasn't really working with our label. 
was able to get out of that, get nice. out of the major label deal. And um, we sent uh, the Odessa boys a bunch of our, our singles and stuff, and they were really into it. They're like, this is awesome. Are you guys mm. seeing an album? And we kind of came to the conclusion that, yeah, we're going to do an album. So that's when we signed uh, this album to Foreign Families. So it's our first release on there, which is it's very different than um, the major label uh, mm. in, a, in a great way. Like, you know, obviously you're in less debt, which is a yeah. good thing. You're not getting those like major money, like uh, right up front. But uh, it, uh, yeah, it just feels way more hands-on and way more like authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the concept of that. And I, I've had multiple people on this podcast that have spoken about majors and how it kind of takes a lot of the creative vibe mm-hmm. because you have A&Rs getting involved. But I guess the one thing that I'm really interested in is obviously I haven't heard the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but when signing it to this label and when working with your management, are you, are you still with the same management as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is it Paul? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Paul, love Paul. Legend. Yeah, he's the man. Um, so when you're when you guys are writing the album and working with the label and your management, is there an A and R process between you all, or is it just strictly you two guys just get involved and it's just you and you're like this and you present it? Um, in this case, it was pretty much just you know Kyle and I. Uh, we definitely you know we would ask them for notes you know with open arms because you know i really respect their opinions on stuff too but at the end of the day the the, you know everyone at foreign family and paul was like you know this is just whatever you guys want to do you know so we that was the first time we had that ability which was really nice yeah and i think the notes if anything would be us having maybe two like an alt chorus for a song. I mean, like, which mm-hmm. one do you like? Can we just kind of pull and see which one you guys think is stronger? Yeah. Kind of yeah. go there, just kind of like almost get our own research that way. But uh, yeah, it was it was really kind of freeing to just fully be able to write without hearing like, I don't know, this doesn't sound like a bop. You're like, what the yeah. fuck does that even mean? Which is actual <laughs> feedback we've gotten yeah. from our major label. Yeah. Yeah, the whole A&R thing from majors. It's like something that I've always wanted to experience but mm-hmm. also heard so many horror stories that I'm like, yeah, you get some pretty insane feedback sometimes that they, like, they have I don't know to, what to give, do with this and yeah. they have to give feedback. It's part of the job. So even if there's nothing to be said, I still have to just say some shit just to say it. And a lot of times we would uh, ha- take their advice by not doing anything, send it back to them. And they'd be like, yeah, I hear the difference did absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. It just shows how fucking dumb it is. Yeah. That's just when you know, there's like an ego involved, right? 100 mm-hmm. and there's just a system you know uh, there's just a huge system at a major label where like you said cal everyone has a job to do and sometimes the job should be just to not do anything you know but yeah. by doing something you're sort of like like hindering creative processes so i couldn't get over it too though even like we'd have remixers on certain tracks and we'd hear that they haven't even paid them out yet and this is like a major label that has uh taylor swift on it they have the Mm -hmm. weekend you guys can spare a remix fund that you already agreed to it was such a yeah i I, yeah well it's even when i remember having a conversation when i did the design to you remix and they were just like we don't want to push it because it's a club record (laughs) Dude, that, <laughs> first off, that remix like really uh, 
really helped us out a lot and got oh, us it? so many looks yeah. from um, just so many people uh, outside of our realm in the mm. house world and in sort of the just the general dance world. And it really helped drive that song. And mm. going back to that song, yeah, they did not want to release that because it didn't have lyrics on it. They were mm. like, designs for you. Yeah. This doesn't have, I don't know how to do this. To which Paul really had to fight for it and be like, no, it's a fucking great record. It's a dance record. You guys are a dance label. Mm. This should be like, figure it out. <laughs> they couldn't well, do that. It was like, because Paul... It's really interesting how all of this, how we kind of came together is because yeah. I was, it was in 2019, 2018, I believe. Probably 2018. Yeah, 2018. yeah, it was 2018. So I'd left my management at that time and I'd been talking to other managers and mm-hmm. I'd already kind of agreed to go in with a manager, which who is my current manager, but during mm-hmm. me kind of agreeing and not like fully agreeing is I was speaking to the guys at Little Empire, mm-hmm. which yeah. is your management. And I was right. talking to Paul and it was literally on the email of me emailing Paul going, look, mate, I'm really sorry, but like I've already kind of decided to go with somebody. He was like, <laughs> no worries at all. Keep in touch. Also, yeah, here's a track from the Phantoms. Like, would you be up for remixing it? And I'll be honest. Like, I didn't, I w- our worlds are so were so different at right. that time. Like, yeah. I hadn't heard of you guys, and I'm pretty sure you guys yeah. hadn't heard of me. And I was like, "This fucking record's wicked." Oh, thanks. <laughs> this yeah. this record's really interesting, and it was like slightly different to what you guys had already done because there wasn't mm-hmm. a vocal on it. But it was there was something really interesting about it, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do with it, but mm-hmm. I'm gonna try." And then the remix i wrote the remix pretty quickly in uh airbnb in san diego before i, I love that dude yeah. it's so good the amount of play that that got to um i just remember there was one moment i think it was like fisher posted it um of him playing it like at some giant club in like ibiza or mm. somewhere and just seeing like chris lake start to play it and all these other people yeah. that definitely had no idea who we were and it just sort of like opened up that song um it was just mm. awesome so thank you you absolutely annihilated that, nah, that thank you. like yeah. honestly that that remix has helped my career as well that's awesome that's great to hear it's it it's definitely something that it was like a point in my career where i was transitioning to another kind of section of my career life Mm -hmm. and that was like Mm -hmm. a a stepping stone and and it it brings back so many good memories to me and yeah and i still play that record that's awesome yeah i mean you did something really unique with it i mean it's it's like kind of unexpected, you know, uh, and it's hard, it's hard to find that in the remixing world. You know, it's, it's easy to, to just sort of go like paint yeah, by numbers mail it with in. it. Um, but you did something so creative with it and really kept, you also kept the core of like the original, which mm. is kind of like the perfect remix really. Well, I loved the original. Uh, the original yeah. was amazing. So it was like, I was like, <clears throat> how do I actually create something that fits, fits for my sound? Yeah. That also keeps the original, the original. And it was really interesting talking about A&R in is like, I don't often ask for advice on records so much. I, I'll send it to mates, but like mm-hmm. sometimes I, I send, like me and my manager speak quite regularly about records. Yeah. And sometimes I take what he, what he says with a pinch of salt and sometimes not. Yeah. And I send that to him and, and his, response was i want more of it because at the point when i sent it to him i'd only done the first breakdown and there wasn't the second breakdown and literally it was like the first breakdown and then it would just 
the track would end really yeah and then yeah. you mix out and he was like no i want more and that's when the second breakdown came in right oh uh, yeah so good yeah, great I, I love it i love it I love it. Yeah, it was awesome. And then we yeah. met. Where we met in Florida. Yeah, we had a beautiful dinner at wow. a Bahama Breeze, uh, which is a <laughs> chain restaurant uh, outside of like, like an airport hotel. Awful. And like shrimp dibblers. Yeah, and, literally. Yeah, just like <laughs> just just disgusting. the most disgusting uh, meal. Who there. was with but us? Was, was, like, was Gavin from Walker and Royce with us? I think yeah. It was, yeah, I think it was Gavin yeah. was with us. And uh, yeah, we were having some drink. We, I forget what festival was that. Um, it, was the, it was the one in Tampa, Sunset, right? Sunset. Got it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that would have been fun, just like a couple of couple of fans to see, like fans of Will Clark, <laughs> Walker and Royce sitting there, right. Bahama Breeze eating <laughs> coconut shrimp dibblers. Oh, so bad. That food was yeah. terrible. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I guess... Was because that was on an album. Was that on an album? That's an EP. 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 Yeah. Did you have you done? Uh, sorry, this is. I probably should know this. Have you done an album before? We yeah. have. Our first album uh, came out five years ago. Oh, actually, okay. wow. and it was a self-titled, and uh, I think our biggest song at that was "Just a Feeling," which mm. was like mm-hmm. um, number one on like dance radio for a bit. You know, wow. everything that uh, major labels love that we yeah. don't really care about. But yeah. um, <laughs> so, it's, did yeah, you care at the a, time though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean it was definitely cool. It, they've but what's so funny about them is they once that happened, they wanted us to just sort of recreate that. Um to yeah. the point where they wanted us to sit down with Vanessa Hudgens and have her re-record that track that's already been out with Verite and already yeah. like out in the ether and re-record it to mm. try to I, I don't even know. I don't know how that would have panned out or what that yeah. idea even was. Yeah. You hear that so often, especially in the UK, where you have like an underground record that's doing really well on the charts, mm-hmm. and then the majors try and put a like a top line vocal on, and you yeah. just know that it's like. I think the most recent was that Talamanca with Burns, and, right. oh, yeah. right. and like he, I had him on the podcast, and he was like, "Dude, the amount of top liners we had sent in to like try and make it into like something completely different." Yeah, it's kind of sad because it just ruins. I I, I, yeah, I think the only one that's done well out of that is, I think, Second City. Um, mm-hmm. My love, my, was it Second City or Route ninety four? My love, I think it's Route ninety four. Oh yeah, I, I think I know. I know what you're talking about. That was pretty good. Yeah, they, or else, I mean, I know what you mean. A lot of the times, it does just sound like a vocal is just sort of sitting on top of the original yeah. song. Exactly. Yeah, there's nothing I, really. They're not like built around together. it. Or anything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely strange. So when you guys, so I, I kind of want to compare your first album process to how it was different with this, this process. Mm-hmm. When five years ago, when the first album came out, like you're completely different human beings, right? The world yeah. hasn't, whatever's happened in the world hasn't happened. Right. And you haven't experienced what you, what you, what you experienced. When you went in writing that first album, what was the process then? So, think, so go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I think we were a lot, uh, <laughs> well, it's like you just talk at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think we were just a lot more naive back then, obviously, is five years ago, a yeah. lot greener in, in the industry. And uh, the, the process was pretty straightforward. I mean, we just had a collection of songs. We, you know, it was similar in this 
process too, where we were like, we want to at least make these flow together and feel mm. like they're cohesive and they work as a unit. And it's not just a collection of, you know, 13, 14 beats, just kind of squashed together. Yeah. And like, that's an album. So you know, we wanted change. to have a story. Our first uh, album, we had to work with a writer on every song because, uh, like, I didn't really feel confident doing a lot of writing yet. And mm -hmm. I had just started sort of singing on a couple tracks there. And on this one, um, a lot of it was written just with Vinny and I. Like, okay. lyrics, mm -hmm. vocals, like, everything all together. No real, um, like, writers. And we tried to... Something that we did back then that we still do now is we don't really love to take top lines in um, that are already kind of pre-written and yeah, write around it. We I usually agree. like to write with whoever's in the room. That's sort of been our, our thing. Obviously, there's no right or wrong or bad mm -hmm. or good with that. It's just sort of been our process, but being able to like write something just ourselves and get it out there. And it's just, there's no real better feeling than that. It's, it's really, mm -hmm. really awesome. Um, so that's been, a, that was a big difference. I think on these two. No, I, sure. I agree with that because I think I'm the same where I don't like to be in, I don't like to work with a vocal that's written as a top line and then kind of sold to whoever yeah gets yeah it. it feels a little at least in my mind and there's nothing wrong with it but it just feels a little like um cheap and not um not very authentic and mm -hmm. we did that we did that once there was one song called agenda that was didn't really do anything there's an old song but that was a top line and i remember even mm -hmm. when that came out you're like oh it feels a little weird yeah. just a little gross yeah you just do, you don't have much connection to to it uh, you know i know it sounds kind of silly maybe but just there you, you want to have like a bit of an emotional connection to the music you put out no it um, makes it makes complete sense yeah. really because mm -hmm. it's kind of you're making music that is almost in a f it's almost like a factory right where it's just kind right. of being churned out in that si mm -hmm. situation where like how many t how many times have you been sent top lines where like the top liner thinks it's an amazing top line but because you weren't in the original session right you're like yeah no nah, i just don't i don't get <laughs> this this is fucking awful uh, yeah and, this is yeah and generic. most likely the like the lyrics themselves will probably be pretty you know generic and straightforward because like you said it's a machine so like they're, they're yeah. they go in they, they crank them out and so it's a talented thing to do to be able to do that but uh yeah there's definitely not a lot of like meaning behind the lyrics it's, either. it's interesting to think of the dj slash producers that have ghost writers out there that are also getting top line sent in it's mm. like does the ghost writer yeah. then do or do they say no to the top line at what point does it reach the uh the dj or the front-facing person that has nothing to do with the music at all right wonder that yeah there's <laughs> there's a lot of that going on in the uk right now where there's a oh, lot yeah. of like pop guys that are pop djs that don't be wrong they do a great job of doing what they do but you know that this record has been the rap been on the rounds for a while yeah and mm -hmm. and they've taken it or their producers have taken it and it's turned into a pop hit it's kind of genius mm -hmm. but it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do it for me at all really yeah right. no for sure i, I mean, wish i could funny. do that i, 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 I think there's I, just a disconnect right a disconnect from it, it for me it's like the mute that is kind of making the music not part of it mm -hmm. it's 100%. like it's it's not part of you it's not part of yeah however like i don't know would if somebody's like look this vocal is going to be a number one record and you mm -hmm. weren't in the room but you 
and gonna produce it and do everything else to it and it would be right. a number one record would i take it i probably would if i'm honest with myself mm-hmm. yeah, yeah of course but but also i feel like you'd do that and then it just wouldn't be number one for some reason yeah yeah the um the ghost producer thing is uh always interesting to me and it seems like uh you always hear rumors of it with people. And I obviously don't want to like name fucking anybody here, but it does seem like it's starting earlier and earlier when people are having success now, at least from what I'm hearing with some certain, some certain newer artists that have sort of like risen pretty quickly that already have a ghost producer. You're like, okay, then at what point, I, I don't know. It just feels a little mm-hmm. strange. Um, and I guess it's all about the touring then at that point. So yeah. It's like, have somebody else churning out the music. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'm just sort of like yeah. the face of it uh, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But... Yeah, Vinny, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... It is, it's, I guess it, it goes back to like, it's not really the music. You know, it takes the uh, the life out of it. I guess the 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 hippie, like, come on, that's not real music, man. It's like that kind of vibe. It's yeah, I, th- I think there's like two, there's two ways that I look at it, depending on how I feel of the day, is mm-hmm. some days I'm like, I really respect it and it's just a business and the mm-hmm. mu- nowadays the music industry isn't just about music which is sad to say yeah um, right. but it's about how what you look like how you how mm-hmm. you play how you're perceived um mm-hmm. and I'm also it's... a big believer that having multiple people getting the best people to do what they're best at doing to help your career grow I feel like that can be really helpful. So Mm -hmm. there's so many artists that don't write their records, but they still have this insane career, right? Yeah. And and they have bigger careers than you and I. Mm -hmm. And you're like, fuck, like they're doing something right. And the driving force of that is the bigger records. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Is that, does that feel right to me? I don't know. It depends on the day. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. It, it depends on uh yeah, how many offers are coming in, what those numbers are looking yeah. like. So, <laughs> but uh, like let's say for instance, but, like Tiesto, like mm-hmm. he doesn't write his records. I don't know how much of the process he's part of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, I don't I don't not I don't know much, him. but he's the, he looks like the happiest man. But I was, was going to say, but having so. met him multiple times, he's all smiles and the nicest exactly. dude. So I don't think it's, he's like really even that worried about it. Um, no, and I think that's the thing is at the point it gets to the point where there a lot of the people that aren't writing their own records are so successful that mm-hmm. they don't actually give a fuck what people say. Yeah, no, it's true, and Doesn't I think. Matter. And I think that maybe at some point that has to be done if you want to have that level of touring and ability to have a standard release schedule uh, with kind of insane touring. Because I don't think a human could tour that often and also release records on a consistent basis like that unless they spent, I don't know, a full year just like putting songs away in like a Mm. folder and just slowly like get those out one by one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I I feel you with that schedule thing because I'm like... writing a lot at the moment or trying to write a lot for for Mm -hmm. something I'm working on and you're just like it's hard to kind of balance where you're touring two three days a week but also Mm -hmm. with that two three days a week it's like takes up another day truly to readjust traveling cut you come back you have to do life admin stuff you also have to do Mm -hmm. 
career admin stuff, right? Like yeah. I'm not lucky enough to have an assistant that deals with all my emails or deals with all the other mm-hmm. stuff that I have to deal with. I also have a podcast to do. And then on right. top of that, I also have to write and the writing should become, should be the most important thing out of all of that, but it's not. Everything else kind of seems to take yeah. up the space. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys balance that? Because I know there's two of you, which sometimes mm-hmm. might make it easier. I don't know. But like, how do you balance that? We need to write a record now. Mm-hmm. I guess it it's, uh, depends on what, like you said, what the touring schedule is like. And it's hard. I mean, like last summer, uh, we were doing a lot of writing for the the album and like trying to finish stuff up. And we had a lot, it was a lot of DJ shows because obviously the everything had just come yeah. back last summer. And so it was just, it was busier than it normally is. And we would have time during the week, but we were pretty beat up. Mm. Uh, and it was, it was definitely until it took pretty much until we were done with that, like that summer that we had, like we're able to like sit down and finish stuff because you can't really finish stuff if you're just working an hour at a time here and yeah. there. You really need to sit down in front of the computer also like your six hours your headspace too i feel like when we're in the album mode we're here for a while um we're both in that headspace but we're just traveling and mm-hmm. so many different shows in your home for a couple you know days yeah. you got life girlfriends you know other mm-hmm. shit going on it's you're right it is really hard to get back to the most important thing mm-hmm. uh, which is like writing and yeah. like making yeah. making the music but i do remember we pushed back we were supposed to have our record turned in i think it would started in like may and then it moved to august and then i think it was finally turned in yeah. like october much yeah. to our much to our manager's dismay shut up paul mm-hmm. but uh yeah which finally got turned in but it does help like uh i think being in a uh, a duo uh i think there are times when th- I can push Vinny or he can push me if one of us is slacking and um, kind of figure out moments and sort of just like, I don't know, get us back on track because it's easy to sort of fall off for a bit and get some, maybe some, not bad habits, but you know what I mean? Just get a little lazy Mm -hmm. for a second or something like that. And when you're writing, how do you both write together at the same time or do you guys go off and do your own separate things, write and bring ideas? Like what, how does that work? So Vinny will usually start with um, just a random beat of some kind, just mm-hmm. something there and send it to me. Also writing top line ideas, some like mm-hmm. lyric stuff, send it back. We kind of talk back and forth on that. Then we kind of come together to like finalize mm-hmm. uh, whatever that, that song is going to be. And that's, yeah. yeah, it's been our way of working for a while. Um, I don't think we've ever like been in the same room, just like wrote a song from like scratch from the beginning of just like, no, not really. Band add this it's just never really been our thing and uh i feel like it only um impedes the process a little more like we'll come together to like write or uh fix like a chorus or figure out some stuff but the little stuff like i'd rather like let him do his thing and i'll do my thing and then we can take it from Mm -hmm. there when so when you came to the uk and did like a whole bunch of writing sessions what what was was that with other people as well or was Mm -hmm. that just you two that was us two with, we had just a lot of different people coming each day. Obviously the two songs, the, like we have the two Jim Cook songs on the album that were done with her out there. Yeah. She's amazing. And we wrote with a bunch of other um, amazing writers out there. Honestly, everyone was so talented. It was, it was refreshing to work in a space too, where in the UK, everyone is very well aware of dance music yeah. and what dance music is mm-hmm. and, you know, how to write to different versions of dance music. Yeah. And, you know, I think in the States, you kind of once someone hears a kick drum like they're like there's immediately going to maybe old versions of what uh, dance music dude, is there was what they would one assume session it is. we had with some dude it was like this 
big giant dude and we were told he's like he's one of the best he's written so many songs we like played him some stuff some just like demos he's like ooh 80s vibes 70s stuff and he was just kind of like writing like these kind of like corny 80s things to it almost like <laughs> making fun of it we're just like all right, dude, like, just get the fuck out of here. And that's the worst. Dude. When the session is off to a bad start and you just know it's not going to work, uh, how do you yeah. get out of that? Have you had to Have you had to end a session early? I want to hear your, like, exit thing. When you just know um, it's not working at all. I generally just go and get lunch with them and, and mm-hmm. try and, like, build a relationship outside of music with them. Right. And then go back in the session with and just be like, let's start something new. Yeah, okay. that's smart. Like, I, th- I like that. I think mm-hmm. it's very easy to go into sessions with expectations of like mm-hmm. what we want as artists. Um, but I, I find s- top liners and singers, this, this people may not like this, but if <laughs> this is my experience, to have a bit more of like the artsy ego to them. And I don't think right. that's a negative thing. That's what makes them who yeah. they are. Um, so I think for me, it's like, how do I get, how am I going to go into the session and get the best out of them? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it might not necessarily be the best for me, but mm-hmm. I want them to come out of the session going, yeah, I want to work with Will again because he got the best out of me. Right. Yeah. And I I think that's a very good way of looking at it. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. think, I think like, well, how many sessions do you do and then don't do anything with the records? Like, a lot. So many. Like, Mm -hmm. more than 50%. The worst, too, is when you're kind of excited about it in the room and then they're excited about it, too. And then you sit on it for a bit. You're like, God, this really just doesn't fit with anything else. And then Mm -hmm. it sort of dies. And you get that text about a month later, like, hey, what? What's going that on? track that yeah. we were working on mm-hmm. you're like oh yeah we're still working on it blah 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 we're not sure yeah. and then yeah that's the classic it's happened it, to us a few times it's tough mm-hmm. that i think for me i just have to be like completely honest and just be like it's probably it's not working for me go do what you want with it yeah yeah because mm-hmm. i've done that because it's just like easier just to get it over and done with and then, then i think it puts it to an end the mm-hmm. track it puts the track to the end where you're like okay i don't have to worry about that now i've told him right that it's like i can now move on to the next but i mm-hmm. i also i'm in that situation right now with the record that like i've got a top line that is insane like yeah. on another level the song is insane is it a will clark record no right yeah, and then you almost feel bad because you're like, oh, I want the world to hear this, but how do I, what do I do with this? Because it's not like, I'm sure you don't want to just like give it away to somebody. Um, yeah. But- yeah, because I know that like, I don't know that it's a hit record, but I know that it's insane. And mm-hmm. I, But then it goes back to what the Odessa boys were saying to you and it's like, just put it out. Yeah, yeah. You never know, right? If, and if you like it and if it feels, maybe if it doesn't feel like a Will Clark record, but if it feels true to you and what you're, you know, what you yeah. want. Yeah. We might get a couple angry, like, what is, yeah. what is this, dude? Yeah. Like those people online that just like to chime in. Um, but other than that, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So with this album, um, you spent a long time writing it by the sounds of it. Yeah, good amount of time. Do you yeah. do you set deadlines? 
Yes, we do. We do. But those last year <laughs> got pushed back. But yeah, we do set deadlines. You know, once I think we start setting deadlines, once we have more have a more cohesive idea of like what it's going to look like, mm. it's kind of hard to set deadlines when you're in that sort of amorphous process of just spitting out ideas. Yeah. But uh, yeah, once once we kind of have uh, an idea of what the whole is going to be, then it's easier to set deadlines for sure. Cause you kind of have to, I could work on something forever, you know? Yeah. It, it's also hard to, cause we, we'd have to deal with this just with like even label and management of like, guys, when do you think you'll have like the first pass of the album done? And you're like, well, I, I want to give you a response, but it's also such a like vague abstract. Like, I don't know. Like we're going to work on it until we're like stoked. And I understand timing is everything and to build out like a touring schedule mm-hmm. and how you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You need to know when this stuff is, but also on the artist side of it, we want this to be really good. Not yeah. just like hoop out a record that we're like, yeah, it's okay. But at least we hit our deadline. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to Justin Martin, um, like four or five months ago. Um, and he's been working on writing an album for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how's the album coming on? He's like, mate, I scrapped it all. And I'm like, what? Oh, and he's like, yeah, like I want to, write an album where no one's heard any of the music and they've a lot of people have heard a lot of this music already because they've been my mm-hmm. DJ sets and things like that. And I was like, you're a brave man. But also going back to his older, his Hello Clouds album, his, his second album, mm-hmm. he, <laughs> it's mental. He had a date for the release. So they set a tour up and it was an insane tour, like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then he just didn't release the album. So he did the tour. He did the album <laughs> tour before the album came out. And then I like that. And then the album came out and then he did another tour for the another album. Another tour. Yeah. yeah so you got to make it work. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like make it work. Fair play. Like do what that but I think that's the thing is when you're not dealing with majors you don't have to you can do what the fuck you want. When mm-hmm. you're dealing with like an independent which he was is like do what you want. Yeah, exactly. Just make mm-hmm. it work. I mean, we're in the process right now. Uh, we haven't done the live show in probably three years. Uh, I think the last show uh, is where I got COVID, actually. It was like Okeechobee Fest in Florida. But uh, just even now figuring out sort of a live tour for this, uh, mm-hmm. we have the dates and stuff. The cost of everything has gone up so much. It is wild. And flights are way more expensive. So we had this like grand idea for the live tour of what we wanted to do. And we've had to like scale back and scale mm-hmm. back and scale mm-hmm. back. So it's going to be interesting. That's a whole nother thing. We have to still finalize what we're doing for that, but we have the mm-hmm. dates and stuff. We haven't announced them yet, but yeah, it's kind of a, a little bit daunting to think about right now at the moment. Uh, how, do, how does the live thing work for you guys? Cause I love the idea of live, but like mm-hmm. you said, there's so many like barriers that get put up and it's yeah. so easy just to turn up with your USB sticks and a headphone and sell the same amount of tickets that's give, the yeah. yeah. Give, I mean, that's the full yeah. thing. We um, what we were doing before is uh, like I, a lot of synthesizer. Vinny's a drummer, so he would drum. I would sing on everything. Um, it would sort of be uh, like live looping, like sampling mm. stuff like that. And so that was sort of as much as we could do, like live without yeah. a band or something like that. Obviously, Ableton playback. Now we're trying to even <clears throat> simplify it more because we were in sort of two stations mm. and uh, we kind of don't like that. Like we yeah. want to be sort of together working on stuff. So I'm not really sure what that's going to look like with with this round, but you're right. I mean, you can you can get away with, with a lot and call it a live show mm. these days. Uh, and 
I, I on the one hand, I'm like, I don't know if it even matters as long as the show's fucking good. Yeah. I know there are those people that really focus on well, what exactly is happening up there. What are they doing? Yeah. But if the show's fantastic and it looks great, like who cares? Yeah. I think the interesting thing about a live show is that you're in a different venue to to a club a lot of the mm-hmm. time, right? So it's it's a hard ticket venue or it's yeah. a festival. That's the entirety of this tour that we're being played. It's not all hard ticket rooms. <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how are you feeling about that? Hard tickets are, sh- are tough right now. I, I mean, know. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Our uh, our agent, um, you'll be the same agent as uh, Odessa and a few other things. And his his thing has always been growing hard ticket acts yeah. and doing that. Mm-hmm. So we're he's really we've good been used it, to yeah. it. We've grinded it out. We've done the the opening uh, tours for you know two hundred bucks a night for like two months, just when we we're starting out and like yeah. grinding. We're used to that life. Um, definitely have gotten spoiled. It's, it's so funny when you DJ. Just you don't have to bring nearly as much. You get treated better. Your hotel is usually covered. Um, a bunch of other crap. This stuff is just like here's your fee. Uh, I don't it. know. Fucking go <laughs> set like, up. Figure hope it you, out. Hope you sell out. Yeah. All right, yeah. Cool. Get the fuck out of the venue. It's so weird. And, and you're like, why would we do this? And even like, even the money for the hard tickets is not as good until you start no. until you start getting to the very high volumes. It's right. the it's the classic thing, which is like for better slots at festivals for different cities that maybe we're not so known in. You want to be able to show them like the proof of like, hey, mm. they did X amount of tickets here. Let's push them up on this, this, this. Yeah, I understand that aspect of it. Also, the, our album itself doesn't really lend itself to like a DJ set. So we kind of yeah. have to do the live tour for this. Mm-hmm. That's being said, that's why we kind of want to focus on some more club records and stuff after that, because we do. We we love DJing. We love going out yeah. there and doing that. We love a, a great club night for sure. When you're doing live, do you have a team that do it with you as well? Or is it just you guys? It depends. Um, it kind of just depends on the show and, and what's going on. Like, like we've done a couple of live tours where we, you know, we had a crew with us, uh, like three people, I think. Yeah. The main crew. Uh, it's a lot of people to pro- pay for. Yeah, oh, I know. Well, so expensive. We're now with all of the, the cost of everything rising. We're like, we got to figure out how to do a lot of, a lot of this ourselves, you yeah. know? Uh, maybe with like yeah. one or maybe two other people. Oh, know. buddy, we had grand plans of like a giant yeah. bus, and, you know, all this shit. And so that slowly went from a bus to a sprinter to a van. So <laughs> like five crew members to like two to maybe yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, also cut some shows out too that, you know, no offense to these cities that will not be there. I won't say them now, but um, it's like, it just didn't make sense. Like financially, mm-hmm. um, it's just like best case scenario. And I know this is why a lot of people aren't doing live tours right now is, I think best case scenario for us, we will be breaking even on this tour, mm-hmm. which like sucks. Like that's not what you want to hear. It's an important step for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, DJing is definitely the the way to go, at least right now with um, like with the yeah. climate. Well, I think I think the thing is, is that breaking even on a tour is actually really interesting if you're at the start of your career. But when you guys have built a level of success where you're at, breaking even purely because the cost of everything goes up is just <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. It's yeah. a bit different. I know. Um that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I mean it's it's fine. We just we've had to go back and forth on how we're gonna make this work, but we're excited mm-hmm. actually. I think the show's gonna be really cool. So if the if it's announced when this comes out, buy tickets, we'll be sitting <laughs> near you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea. I love I love the idea of a live show. I've like I grew up listening to live electronic music. That was like my mm-hmm. first introduction to to dance music. So yeah. like Faithless Chemical Brothers. 
Prod- mm-hmm. Prodigy. Um, yeah. They were That's all the like, stuff. yeah. And I think it's very hard to do it nowadays. And mm-hmm. there's not many people that do it really well. Like I saw clips of Bicep doing it, Bicep going live in mm-hmm. Glastonbury this past weekend or a couple of weekends. Oh, ago. nice. This will be like a month ago when this comes mm-hmm. out. But like, and I've seen their live show on YouTube before, but for me, it's like, the visualization of what they do is amazing, but it doesn't really mm-hmm. feel like a live show to me because it's just two guys looking at each other, twisting a few knobs. You right. don't even know if they're twisting a few knobs. Totally. Yeah. The, and that's kind the, of what it's become for sure. Live show is very loose. There's another person we know who literally has one like NPC and mm. it's just playing that. And it's just about visuals. The term live has definitely kind of changed into, I guess yeah. it's more of like a, like a flagship show mm. as opposed to it being like live, live of an original you know, music most likely like yeah that's usually music. what it yeah. means um but I'm, I'm i'm with you on that it would be cool i mean one of the ideas we had was to have a full band with us and um so cool. yeah it would be awesome you know yeah. if we can get maybe uh, a investor <laughs> to invest some of our in favorites that. yeah get an investor for this. <laughs> <laughs> some of our favorites uh, growing up were soul wax like they're i mean yeah. and their live show has just somehow expanded and there's like 15 people on stage now why well, it was yeah i also think you're in the realm of when people made a shit ton of money selling records Mm -hmm. and and selling physical records where now it's great that you can earn money as an artist making making records again but like you have to be to be making money just off your records you have to be streaming a fuck ton amount of streams yeah. and you guys have always streamed really well your your music streams streams really well but it doesn't necessarily mean you're earning a shit ton of money from it and no then, no not at all especially still, when there's two of you i don't think we've even seen like a check from any royalty stuff uh music wise other than like i don't think anything with spotify because obviously in our major label deal like yeah, we're yeah, sort yeah. of like you know ownership like my body is your communion take from me whatever <laughs> yeah. you want but yeah i don't think we've ever gotten like like here's your spotify royalty check yeah we've ever received one that's wild but i guess that's the joys <laughs> of the major label deal is that they right. own 80 percent of your music so yeah it was some you know we also we got that deal so young too that we didn't know really what we were getting into so i'm happy we're out of it because apparently upon further review it wasn't a great deal it never <laughs> Surprisingly. is it Pretty never sure. is uh, i've never <laughs> heard anyone come out and go or even look at taylor swift right like even she's yeah, complaining yeah. if taylor swift is complaining like we we're all fucked like, yeah yep. totally Nobody's like mm-hmm. left there like, oh man, that deal was awesome. <laughs> Sad to see it go. <laughs> uh, I think the thing for me is just the whole ownership of music in, in those mm-hmm. deals where they own you for yep. for a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they truly it's also did. the number too, when you first hear it, it sounds like a lot. And by the time you actually receive said money, it's not nearly enough and not worth it enough to sell your soul for everything too mm. um the number seems to get smaller and smaller even though you see what that number is you're like wow it's supposed to be a big number it's interesting how that how that happens well i think it's also when you're starting out as an artist and you're you sign to a major which generally the first time you sign to a major is but usually when you're starting out um right or you've had like a hit record or like something yeah. and then some, the majors come in like it's the first bit of money big amount of money that we're kind of offered right mm-hmm. like you don't unless you 
I even if you have a hit record and you become like a really big DJ, that the big money probably comes in like a year later, mm-hmm. right after that hit record when you've like proven yourself that you sold tickets. But yeah, majors come in with a shit ton of money straight away, and they're like, "Here's 150 grand," and 150 grand to artists that come that aren't earning money from music sounds like a lot of money but then Mm -hmm. you take 20 percent out for the management you take 20 percent out of tax you then split between two of you and then you're like well i might as well just go get a nine-to-five job yeah exactly and uh yeah that's exactly right It, it it sounds so great on paper and then you get there and not only is it way less but you then sort of looking at them for these like little windfalls of, of cash. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just like a horrible way to, to operate and go yeah. about, because then you are making music. Not only it's like your career, but you're also doing it for them. You want them to be happy so you can yeah. get paid and get like the rest of your record funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it sort of takes the joy and like the reason why we all started to do this out of it, because you're then just chasing like your next label check yeah. only for them to bitch on how like, Oh, we're very, we're not recouped guys. We're really going on a limb here. It's like, no shit. Who recoups? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. No one. I remember no one. <laughs> early on when they signed Post Malone, I remember our A&R at the time complaining. They're like, yeah, they just signed him to like a million dollar deal. And like, we're nowhere near uh, recouped. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be fine, guys. Post Malone's gonna be fucking okay, idiots. I love, I love labels. It's hilarious. Yeah, so entertaining. Do you have your own label stories? No. Why not? We we don't. We we should. I mean, I've I've always wanted to at some point when the timing's right. You know, Um, I don't know. Maybe in the next couple years, we'll we'll start to. Yeah, I feel like about that. I want I want our maybe pedigree up a little bit more and then maybe yeah. we'll start something from there. It doesn't feel like I don't know if I can handle the label yet. That's understandable. Yeah. I guess you, you have one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I started 2020, um yeah. just before the pandemic. But for me it's more of a label just to release my music and and then oh, nice. cool. I've signed three records in the last mm-hmm. two years to it. And it, I'm looking, I'm always looking for records, but it's like, like you said, it's like, it's a lot of work on top of everything else. And mm-hmm. I don't really want to turn it into a label where it's just like churning out club records every week. I, yeah. I yeah. I feel like then right. he needs to also bring somebody on to handle the majority, right. like the heavy lifting. And then, well, I have like, know. I have like a label team. So I license the label to another label really mm-hmm. which they they're a great the company's called good company and they they they're an amazing team um awesome so anton that owns it is the he was a big a and r at um warner for years and then he left started his own thing but he's now also head of electronic at warner so nice. he's done he's he's the reason why Medusa's record hit, if you know what I mean. He's done some huge things and having that behind you is very helpful to kind of just the knowledge and have his team behind. So if it wasn't for those guys, I wouldn't be able to do a a, Mm -hmm. a label. It's a whole world that, that, you know, I don't really know that much about Mm. on like the back end stuff. Uh, 
So, I mean, that's that's cool. That would that would be fun to get into at some point. Yeah, I, mean, I love all the music you've been I releasing I see people lately. like Thanks, texting man. us like, hey, why am I get, not getting playlisting on Spotify? <laughs> Being on a flight, about to go play a show. I don't know, dude. Talk to, <laughs> talk to somebody. Talk to Vinny about it. Well, this is the thing is that like I only sign people, like I've signed two people, an artist called Debask and an artist called Nassim. And mm-hmm. Nassim is like a French producer, new guy on the block that... Mm-hmm has yeah he's he's done successful things in the past but this is like his side project that no one knows about no he's not Mm -hmm. talking about or anything he's just completely doing what he wants to do so the expectations of that is very low and it's just great music and then Debesk is a really good friend of mine from Austria who he's full-time in music but he, Mm -hmm. he ghost writes for people he DJs but he also isn't like trying to make the Debesque thing a big thing because he's got, yeah. he doesn't want to be touring full time and things like that. He's got a family. And so like for me, it's like being able to, like when I do uh, an All We Have Is Now tour, like I can bring them on and they all want to be part of the crew. But it's like, they're not trying, they're, they're all they're worried about is making good music. And that's yeah. The, yeah, that's the pocket to be in. I feel yeah. like where mm-hmm. you're not looking at this like this has to work. It's mm-hmm. more like I just want to like really try cool stuff, and I'm mm-hmm. not worried about the result. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's when you have the most success too. Yeah, yeah. You're not expecting we, anything. We were toying with that idea just even in the last year or so of just like it might be fun to just try a, a side project with no expectations. You know, with this that same kind of mentality. Mm. Just because like. You know, when you've been doing something for years, you kind of are locked in certain headspaces about things. And I don't know, it might be fun to just be like, hey, this is completely different. Let's just see where it goes. Uh, not really expect, you know, to be some huge success and just make good music. So I totally understand that headspace. Have you ever done a side project or like released anything on the sly that no one knows about? I have like a side, I have two side projects. One, okay. this cool, this kind of, it's weird this weekend we're actually doing it. It's like a collab between myself and Sian. Um, but cool. it's called a mock and we've done like a whole album, but it's just, we've yeah. just not released it. And it's probably yeah. not going to be released for years if it ever gets mm-hmm. released. That was yeah, one. Yeah. But I also do, I, I do like a side project that doesn't even have a name that mm-hmm. I don't release the music. I just write it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like burial trip hoppy kind of cool. stuff oh, sweet. that, I think I might release it eventually, but mm-hmm. it's not, I have no expectations for it. But I also think with what you're saying about having no expectations and kind of being stuck in the phantoms life of what you are. And right. it's the same for me, stuck in the Will Clark life. Does, does writing the album help you get out of that because there's no expectations or do you still feel there's expectations to that? For me, I definitely still feel some expectations there. Like we need to stay on brand with like Phantoms mm. stuff. And as much as we want to take certain risks, I feel like I, I don't mean I, I guess we did to an extent um, with this with this record, but we kind of seem to go back to our our, our sound of like our Phantoms Phantomsy sound. I don't know, Vinny, if you feel differently about yeah. it. Yeah, there's always you're always tethered to to some core idea i guess of what what you think the project is Mm. uh even if you're trying new things there's it's always going to be tethered in some way um that's 
yeah i know i guess there there's light expectations but yeah with the album we did we did throw a lot of our, our sort of old ideas of you know what the project was sort of out of the window so yeah. i guess that freed up some more space but yeah i mean there's all there's always something to be said for just like having something new too and mm. just feeling like you're starting something fresh you know yeah yeah i like that idea sometimes yeah, and then, and then I realize how much of a fucking uphill battle it is to make anything right. successful. But it's also yeah. like, do I want to make this successful or do I just want to make the music? Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of weird. It's a it's a battle that I feel like a lot of people to kind of battle with. Mm-hmm. And I I I don't know though. For me, as Will Clark, my sounds have changed so much over the years, like mm-hmm. insane amounts of change over the years um and i think that's where it's kind of worked the most for me is like i just go out on a whim and just be like as long as the story as long as i tell the story correctly people Mm -hmm. understand it and you lose people and gain people along the way but if yeah eventually that everyone kind of starts to get it whether they like it or not is a different thing yeah that's a good way of putting it actually you know, you're always afraid of maybe losing people, but I guess the people that are with you still, uh, you, they tend to be your biggest fans and they're, they're with you for, for life. Yeah. You know? They, they, they listen forever anyway. Like I, yeah. get, I still get people asking me to play the dirty bird stuff and I never, yeah. and I ne- never do, but they still turn up to my shows. Right. Of course. And yeah. come, I feel like there comes a point in your career where you, you have to t- kind of take a step away from, what you did in the past Mm -hmm. like we're lucky like i don't know i i bat i battle with this on a weekly basis in my shows because there's records that i've written that i don't necessarily always play that i know i should play right Mm -hmm. and i know that there's people that paid good money to go and see that um but also there's some records i just don't want to play yeah or don't necessarily fit in my show is for you guys is that the doing the live show does that help you play those records definitely yeah Um, definitely uh yeah i think you know we can go back a bit and usually what we'll do for like an older track that maybe we don't want to like one of our first tracks that did decently well was a cover of cocaine like Mm -hmm. the eric clapton jj kale song and it did decently well but even now it just sounds so much older that we would probably just I'd probably sing that over maybe a newer track or yeah. just have like mm-hmm. a little breakdown with that over it. Uh, but yeah, people, I mean, you get that all the time. Like one of our first EPs was called like the broken halo EP. And there's mm-hmm. a song on there weirdly sung by our friend, Nick Braun, who plays um, cousin Greg on succession. Mm. Um, he's now became like a giant, uh, <laughs> giant actor, but uh like we get requested that song all the time and it's so yeah. old and it's like we're not and it's like not a gonna... pop song pretty yeah, much it's, it's, it doesn't even sound like us yeah. yeah and like i get it guys but we're not we're not gonna play that i, yeah. I always you we always get the the phone up like dj request and i see it's just like something from our first album i'm like i there's it will not fit into the set <laughs> like yeah i'm sorry like i i like that music too and I'm, i love that you're a fan of that stuff but like it's not gonna fit unfortunately yeah. So I guess I guess doing the live show just allows you to play full on a hundred percent Phantoms music. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're all, you're almost setting the vibe yourself rather than a DJ set. You're actually kind of going into the vibe, working out what what to play, 
whereas mm-hmm. you're kind yeah. of curating yeah. your it's, own vibe. It's a little interesting, again, because you're pretty locked in with the live show, so it's a lot of trial and error, and usually take some shows where you're like, ooh, that moment felt a little rushed, or that mm. felt, uh, ooh, we could have uh, maybe gotten into this, or that dragged a little bit, and it mm-hmm. kind of sucks because, well, we have Life is Beautiful and Firefly where we get to kind of road test it, um, yeah. but you sort of have to make your live set and be like, okay, I think this is going to be cool, yeah. and then, you know, you go out there, and you're like... right. Oh man, we kind of missed the mark on these few things. And then, yeah, then you have to tailor it a bit there. That's the one, not what I'm excited about. Is like going through the um, trial and error phase of that. But the, the team, yeah, hopefully, yeah, exactly. We'll we'll get it dialed in. That's what I like about DJing. Though you get to feel a vibe. Oh, this isn't what we expected. We could pivot a little bit and kind of like make our own vibe and build into it. Harder to do that with a live show. Well, also, <laughs> you know, if a record's just... if a record's not working in the DJ set, you can pull it out. You can like, right. yeah. You can mix another one in pretty much straight away. It doesn't really totally. Matter. And oh, there's yeah. like another twenty more records afterwards that will hopefully pull it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas I feel there's like nothing. Go on. Oh, there's there's nothing like the feeling of like during the live show. I know Kyle sings, and I, I used to sing during the live show a bit, or like a little bit more, and singing to a crowd where they're just not quite into it for mm. for whatever reason, maybe. Maybe it's like a weird festival or something, and you're yeah. like, man, I'm, I have to finish this song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't, we can't just, like, move on. Um, one of the worst ones, I know we're running short on time, we'll be quick, but we, we were we, at, we uh, have We can go on for four hours, there's, there's no time. <laughs> yeah, right? I love it. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were doing some, um, there was a time where we weren't really DJing, so any festival we, we'd have an offer to, it would be live, no matter yeah. what. And there was this fucking festival in Arizona, so Somewhere. We were like second up on the stage. So it was like daytime, like yeah. 3 p.m., um, hot out. The guy before us, like, it was almost like he won a contest to be up there. So he's like a, a local kid. And so he's up there, and there's maybe like 25 people, but to him, he's on that stage. This is the moment. So he's just going into straight like every top 40 song skrillex dubstep all that shit Mm -hmm, then we have to come up there with our live gear now and like go into this set of our own music that probably half these people don't know yeah and also when like the dubstep is like here and then our little like ooh indie electronic (laughs) quieter now it's so hard to build a vibe from there and you're like i have to like sing right now and have like a moment Mm. and do this just Mm -hmm. to a crowd of people that are just going to be like who the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck are these? Yeah. Yeah. When when you do like a live tour, do you create the lineup around you as well? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we we'll have to... like um, usually one or two uh, openers that are with us on that run. Mm. And are they live? Yeah. The yeah. last the last run we did, they were live. I'm not sure about what's coming up for like this one, but. Yeah, last one were these guys, Sachi from uh, New Zealand and then um, Georgia, who you probably know, um, over in the UK. Georgia, I don't know if I do know that. She was, she had a couple of songs, like, I'm forgetting the names off the top of my head, but yeah, like Crystal Clear did a really good remix oh, of one okay. of them. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she was great. She was great. So that was yeah. her support for the last run. Um, we're nowhere even close to figuring out for, for this one yet. Yeah. Um, as well, it's so tough. It, that's the thing is like, also like, budgets get cut massively and you're like fuck mm-hmm. like how do we we have to pay these people mm-hmm. like to be fair like we we've even had it with dj shows where it's like i want to get somebody else on the show but it's like it's going to cost me this much to get here or to like and yeah and i need to also make money so it's mm-hmm. like how much That's of the- my money do i want to take out and give to somebody and then expect them to pay for costs 
when they're through the roof and probably not make much money at all as well. And it's like, fuck. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's so tough. It's also hard too because we have certain people in our mind where like they'd be perfect for this, but we have nowhere near the budget to yeah. even get close to getting that person mm-hmm. on here, even if they're not like a gigantic artist. Um, mm-hmm. So that's definitely a challenge. And uh, I mean, that's what, you know, we will lean into our manager, Paul, to kind of help with that. And it's also just, it sucks when it comes to hard tickets because then you have to look data-driven and be like, okay, how did this person do in this market and in this market too? So not only do they have to match up with um, your sounds, not only do they have to be in budget, but you also have to look and see, like, have they been able to do, like, 50 tickets in the yeah. city? Have they been able to do this? It's fucking exhausting. It's miserable. <laughs> do you guys get... Live tour? <laughs> do, you, do you guys get involved with that side of things much or do you leave that to management? As far as the like picking who we want to uh, have on the road with us, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean we'll we'll throw names around. Usually, what happens is we'll throw all these names around, and it'll be like unavailable or can't do it at that budget. Uh, blah mm-hmm. blah blah, and that's then it usually has somebody else that like our agent will put forward, and mm-hmm. um, we kind of go back and forth if that's the right thing or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Vinny, I've got to ask: Is that gray streak real? It is, yeah. People do ask that a lot, actually, because it would be fun if I was if I did that fake, like painting <laughs> it on every morning. I'm so jealous of your hairline right now. Like this fucking oh, thanks. bold man over here. I know I've got a beard, but fuck me, it's a good head of hair. There. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. We're trying to. And the know, gray, nice... the gray is looks fucking legit. Like I'm here for it, it is, a lot. Yeah, it is real stress, you know. That is that's how you uh, can we can we actually pivot to beard talk for a second yeah. here? I I was trying to grow mine out for a while yeah. and I it just sucked. It got like big on the sides. I looked a little homeless, homeless man for a yeah. bit. How do you how do you take care of that beard? I know everybody out there is dying to know. You what have do you to, do for this upkeep? You have to go through the homeless look before it gets to Ugh. the good look. Like you yeah. you literally look homeless for a long time. And then, yes. the, so it, it grows out more than it grows down. I think that's yes. kind of like whatever. Right. And also because like our cheeks are wider generally than our chin. So it kind of bushes out. Yeah, protrudes. So you can you can trim it a little bit, but you also have to get a good barber. And sorry to American barbers, I've never found a good American barber. <laughs> Like they, you know, I will say that too. It. I'll attest to that. I've been getting some some bad. This is, isn't a great haircut. And I got this recently, <laughs> and they're um, expensive. They're very expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, maybe I'll just start flying to the UK to go get a. I got a good barber. He hook you up. Um, Perfect. Yeah, but yeah, your flights t- are cheap. Super cheap. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I actually think I think like international flights aren't too pricey right now. Mm-hmm. internal flights in america ridiculous there's nothing it's, quite like the feeling of uh flying to cleveland or like cincinnati or something and it's more than the cost of getting to paris yeah that's that always yeah. feels good i had yeah. a, i've got a show in a couple of weeks or towards the end of july i think it's july or maybe August. anyway i'm doing la to milwaukee and it costs 850 dollars yeah yeah and you're like what in what world is this a normal thing? Uh, we had a show in Omaha, and I think it cost us $2,500. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, not in first class. That's just economy. You're like, guys, this ain't normal here. What's going yeah. on? They also, they all got bailouts, too, from our government. They're acting like they're trying to get their money back now. It's just such a disaster. And then you hear, mm-hmm. like, Delta. I think it's Delta. 
their all the pilots are going on strike because the pilots haven't had a wage increase since 2016. And you're right. like, you're not even paying the fucking pilots. <laughs> like, who is getting this money? It's like, well, you know, I needed a new yacht. Yeah, you know? like, I'm sorry, but yeah. the the pilots, like, I don't want to kind of tell anyone what how to run their business, but you're an airline. The only people we need are the fucking pilots. Yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, God, it's it's it is really frustrating. And even this month, like we have so many days. We're flying to Austin, LA to Austin used to be maybe three hundred fifty bucks round trip. It's like I just looked; it's like a thousand dollars for both of us. Mm-hmm. Just take it. And you know, it's funny our fees don't go up too no. with that. We can't <laughs> we can't inflate our fees. No, uh, no. They, so it's it's a very it's a very strange time, and I'm not too. Sh- I'm not too sure what the outcome of it is because for a, for a developing artist, it's very hard. Yeah, um, yeah. And also for, like, I I still look at both of us as, like, we're still developing artists, if you know what I mean. Totally. We're, we're not mm-hmm. massive headliners selling five right. 6,000 tickets yeah. where it, money doesn't matter for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that this is the thing is, like, maybe now, I don't know... I don't know. It's this is this isn't going to happen. But in a dream world, is like maybe promoters for like especially festivals where they're like, okay, well, hang on a minute. Yes, this the headliner deserves one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars, however mm-hmm. much they deserve. However, right. we need to get a sick lineup as well as the headliner and maybe we don't have to pay the big headliner hundred. 200,000 we can give them 150,000 yeah and then everybody else gets an extra five grand which then covers all the costs that they're paying you know that yeah. sounds very good it's I, not gonna happen <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not, i'm like not, yeah this sounds great i just yeah. don't see it happening but i yeah it's it, it is really tough i mean there's been certain things we've had to turn down um just because you redo run the numbers and you're like we after commissions and everything like Vinny and i would be walking away with like you know 400 bucks and you're like this mm-hmm. is not it's not worth it to, to fly and do all that shit there uh so yeah hopefully it'll like come down and get figured out a bit um otherwise we should start just you know call our agents let's inflate our prices they're going up (laughs) what used to be ain't no more it's really interesting because then at the end of the day the people that suffer the most are the ticket buyers because Mm -hmm. it all goes to the ticket buyers at the end of the day yeah which sucks because they're our fans and realistically for me is like although yes on the business it's great to have expensive tickets and sell out an an expensive show because everyone makes more money but realistically it's like i'd love to do a tour for like ten dollars ten dollar yeah and like yeah like but you then look at the the maths and you're like it just physically can't happen yeah just you look at the numbers of all that uh but you're right it does go back to well it's funny it goes back to the ticket holders but then a lot of the other stuff stays the same so you're like somebody's getting somebody's making a lot more money here somewhere yeah, it's, it's not right. necessarily always the artist or mm-hmm. whoever somebody yeah it's, yeah because if, if, if you think like promoters what what has gone up in cost for promoters i don't know like especially if they're in a club like the equipment's kind of paid for and everything like that's so the right. what has I don't know is alcohol more yeah. expensive now I don't know. too 
Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, some, maybe yeah. the alcohol. Price, I mean, but, I mean, sta- I know there's staffing issues sort of everywhere too. Right well, now, no one wants which, to work. Yeah, simple. Which so, I respect yeah. because working mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, <get> it. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, yeah, these plates they can't be this much, or else people will just stop fucking touring. Like it doesn't make any sense. The, the other thing too that Kyle pulled up this article the other day that said that American Airlines currently has twelve thousand flights uh, booked this summer that they don't know uh, how yeah. they're going to staff. They, right? They have no pilots. No pilots for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if some of those are the flights we have booked 100%. for our yeah, we have, shows. Yeah, 100%. we fly American, so it's cool too because you know you count on on these shows and you're like, you're kind of adding up what your income is going to be over like the month. And you're just like, Oh, if American airlines like fucks us out of actually being mm-hmm. able to make money this month to be able to help pay for our live tour at the end, it's just yeah, like, right. So frustrating. All so you get an apology and like 5,000 miles from them. Yeah. yeah. Thanks very much that I then still can't book another flight on. It's, it is, <laughs> yeah. it is crazy because I think, I think there's this big thing, especially in Europe, because a lot more people travel in America to work. It's kind of more mm-hmm. of a thing where you have to fly because it's so big, where in, in the UK or Europe, people get on trains and stuff like that. But right. it's like a lot of people that are actually going, that are getting on a plane are going to work. They're not necessarily going on a holiday. And yeah, you're the fact you're fucking, you're not just fucking the one person, you're fucking the whole industry. Because like, imagine right. you get, go to a, go go to a airport and then the the flight's cancelled and then there's no other flights like how many people does that affect it affects obviously all the fans and Mm -hmm. it doesn't look good on you there's nothing like no matter what anyone says if you say your flight's been cancelled the fans are going to be judging you massively always Mm -hmm. and then and then you've got the promoter that loses out on the money you've Mm -hmm. got the club that loses out on the money. You've got the city that loses out on the money because you're bringing people to the city, which is bringing taxes. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's such a weird situation that yeah. could be fixed and isn't getting fixed. No, it's not. I mean, that just happened to us. We were uh, going to Bonnaroo by way of Austin. We were trying to save a little bit of money and there was like a cheaper route to do that. And the night before we just get notification, like our flight's been canceled. Mm. Okay, cool. We each have a different flight the next day. We could be booked on. Vinny had to go through Dallas. I had to go through Austin again. Um, so Vinny gets on his flight. Okay, to Dallas. Well, like two hours before our flight's supposed to take off, mine gets canceled. Yeah. Uh, call them. No other flights available. Not going to make it. Have to end up paying an extra like seven hundred dollars yeah. to fly in a middle seat on Southwest Airlines yeah. because American fucked me. And then you can't. They're not going to give you cash for that. They just go. Well, well it happens, man. Sorry. Yeah. These are the uh, times. Yeah, you're like, cool. So that's another cost incurred without mm-hmm. d- no fault of mine. It's not like I slept through my flight. It's not like I did yeah. anything here. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's brutal. Also, every flight is filled to the brim, yeah. too, with everybody all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure how everybody's affording all these flights or where everybody's going. But uh, yeah, it's, it's wild out there. Well, this is yeah. this is the thing. is I, I went to Ibiza last weekend, played there. And for how the economy is... Every, the airport was packed. Like you, there wasn't a single seat in the airport to sit right. down on. It was packed, and it wasn't business people. They were go all going away on, on holiday or vacation. And mm-hmm. you're like, when's this gonna stop? When's this gonna right. end? Because it, and you're like, not all these people are wealthy, right? 
yeah. that can afford like a huge trip like this too. I did hear that this is the most money uh, at least Americans have put on credit cards since like wow. right before the last recession. So I think a lot of people are just like, fuck it. I don't know. COVID's over. Fuck it. Let's just like run up the credit cards and stuff. And usually that's a bad sign for things to come and like the bubble will burst because you would have no idea that inflation was high or that, you know, it was kind of bad out there mm. judging by these flights and where everybody's going. And mind you, maybe it's because every other flight's canceled. So people are just getting yeah. shoved on these, the ones that mm-hmm. do operate to go wherever. But yeah, it's, it's, it is wild out there. Traveling right now is not, not fun. No, it's mm-hmm. better not having to wear a mask though. Yeah. Yes. That I can imagine yeah. the mask with your beard. Dude. Oh dude. It was the worst. I, yeah. I genuinely like traveling. I, I, I enjoy yeah. getting on a plane. I enjoy the whole process. Oh, I love it. Same. The headphones on. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. chill. To Zen, like don't have to be on your phone. Like it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. However, when COVID happened and kind of coming out and having to wear a mask, like it was not fun. And then like yeah. you have the power trip of the air hostesses, like the minute you take it off, they're like on you. Like it's their fucking <laughs> one and only I, job. I had a pretty intense situation the other day. This woman, this was when the mask mandate was still active in America. And this woman had her mask just like right here yeah. up to like the tip of her nose. Yeah. And this, this one flight attendant was just like, Hey, could you just put pull up to the bridge? And she asked her like two times and she was like, okay. Yeah. And you know, she just pulled up yeah. and it would slip back down. And it got to the point where she came back over and she's like, you were about to get kicked off this flight. If yeah. you don't get that mask from the tip of your nose onto the bridge of your nose. And she's like, like it's on my face. Like, yeah. I, I, like, you know, this is pretty intense. You know, you're really escalating this right now for no real reason. So yeah, I know what you mean. That was brutal. Uh, it's also funny too. Like, so it was like lifted everywhere. And in LA, they brought back that you have to wear it in like an Uber. But then as soon as you get to the airport, you can take it off. Like just... <laughs> It's just it's to the point too where none of this the laws are even making sense at some point. It's like guys, can we just like drop it? Like I understand like there's still gonna be surges, there's still gonna be stuff going on. We wanna be safe, mm-hmm. but and you know, if you still wanna wear one, fuck it, go wear, wear one. It, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's a, I'm very happy don't have to wear that on planes anymore. Because yeah, doing nice. like a couple coast to coast, just wearing that thing, oh it's brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. So when's the album out again? August twelfth. Yeah. And then when's the tour being announced? That's Not a great sure. question. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say sometime Not around, yeah, sometime around August. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, we know Sick. when the dates of the tour are, but you just yeah, haven't announced that's, it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, the announce will happen later. That's cool. When are you coming to LA? By the way, twenty twenty fifth of july i'm coming to la but this podcast right. will be done by then so we would have been in la and hung out before then cool so, <laughs> yeah well excited right. to hear what trouble we get into <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this podcast will us. never come out and there's gonna be a headline <laughs> yeah. of like phantoms and will clark like die yeah. by eaten by shark <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that sounds great um that's cool you've got a lot of work to do then Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're busy boys. Yeah. Yeah. We we are finalizing. Well, we're also touring like all July, pretty mm. much, you know, the classic weekend warrior stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um and August. Uh which leaves us not that much time to figure out our live show and stuff. So that'll be interesting um to see how that all comes together. Um right now it's looking like November is like when the actual tour tour would start for yeah, the show. Yeah. So the plan is to have a lot of October to rehearse. However, we got two 
major festivals, uh, Life is Beautiful and Firefly in September. So it doesn't leave us too much yeah. time to mm-hmm. really sit and rehearse and figure all this out. We'll get it done. We always do. Mm-hmm. You'll get Somehow. it done. It's, it's the part of, of it, right? It's the stress of it that yeah. kind of makes it all come together and last exactly. minute. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Man. Well, guys, we've just done an hour and 20 minutes and it's flown by. Um, Pretty good. Easy. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thanks what a, so what a much good for, hang. Thanks so much for coming on. Let's grab dinner when we can. Um, yeah. And let's keep in we'll touch. Can't yeah. wait. Well, uh, do you, you eat you eat meat, right? You're not vegetarian? No. Nah. All right. Korean I, barbecue? Yeah, let's, let's do, do that. I, I stay in K-Town every time I come to America. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's near. That's yeah. nearby. Yeah, let's take it to our spot. Sick. What's your? Where's your spot? What's it uh, called? Uh, it's like I'm gonna June, completely June, fuck up June, the name. Yeah, yeah, I know oh, the one. Okay. I know the one. Yeah, okay. yeah, I love that spot. Let's do um, it. There's a few down there. Have Get you on been that to? Grill. Have you been to Iki Ramen? Uh, yes, I have. Not for a long time though. It's very good, Vinny. If that you sounds great too. Gotta go. I'm trying. I'm trying. I probably have, but I'll, I'll look it up after. I have. This. I have to not go there though. My manager like literally said like every time you come to LA, you only eat there, and I'm like, yeah, I probably should go <laughs> eat somewhere else. Salt. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's just so good, but you yeah. know, like, and it's so easy. It's like walking distance from the hotel. So I'm like, oh, I don't have to mm-hmm. get in an Uber. LA traffic and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. You got to stay exactly. local. Yeah. Lads. Well, I'm down. Let's do it. Um, how can people follow you? How can people listen to the album? Uh, we're just at Phantoms pretty much everywhere. And, uh, you know, you can go to Sam Goody, go to Virgin <laughs> Records. And you can go anywhere online um, and you'll Sam be able Goody. to get a record. Uh, I think we also have some limited vinyl available too, which I don't have any info on where you buy that at <laughs> on me right now. Yeah. So uh, just look it up. Google's going to yeah. be your best friend for this. Amazing. Thank you so much, lads. Good luck with the album. I'm, I'm really excited to hear it. I'm, hey, yeah. I'm really excited. Can't wait to hear some new Will Clark as well. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. Peace, guys. Keep safe. See you soon. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed it. Please go subscribe. Please share it. I love you lots. Keep safe. And I will see you next time. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.